Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. These familiar words will continue to ring powerful as we hear and read them once again today. You can find them in your pew Bible that is found there in front of you on page number 27 and 28 in the New Testament. Or I just invite you to turn along in the Bible that you brought along. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Hear now these words. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come. You that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom. Prepare for you from the foundation, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? The king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who were members of my family, you did it to me. And then... He will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then... They also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishments, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of God. For you, the people of God, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God indeed. Let us pray. Christ the King, enthroned in glory over all creation, you are a shepherd to the lost and the least. Teach us to see your face among the poor, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, and visiting those who are sick or in prison so that we may share in your eternal realm prepared from the foundation of the world. 
through Jesus Christ, who is coming indeed to reign with justice, compassion, and love. Amen. Good morning once again. I pray you all did have a safe and lovely Thanksgiving. I am Pastor Corey, the Associate Minister here at Orange. And this morning, as Pastor Adam mentioned, we recognize and we celebrate Christ the King Sunday. We proclaim today that Christ is King over all creation and over our very lives. And we also acknowledge it within the liturgical calendar as the last Sunday of the year. So that means next Sunday, Advent begins, and that marks the beginning of our liturgical year. So this is the Sunday before we return to the incarnational beginning of Jesus' story, where poverty and innocence and vulnerability will characterize Jesus as he humbly comes to be one with us. So before we begin that Advent journey, we intentionally celebrate his kingship. We're reminded of who he is and who he will become through his life, death, resurrection, and his ascension. King of kings. And so, as I was praying about this Sunday and preparing, it felt very fitting that as it is the end of our liturgical year, I thought about what we often do as we end one year and begin another. We review. We reflect. We think about what has been, and then we aspire. We set goals. We look to the future to see how we might become more of the people we desire to be. Now, as we consider Christ the King, it seems fitting that Jesus' kingship be the criteria by which we review and reflect over our lives this last year. And then how we might aspire, how we might look to the future to see how we could become more and more of, God, of who God has called us to be. This idea of reflection and of review, it is actually a spiritual practice. It's been practiced for thousands of years by the church mothers and fathers, by saints, by great theological teachers. If you had an opportunity to read the sermon preview that we put in the juice uh, during the week, you might have seen two names that I mentioned there. One is St. Ignatius of Loyola. He was a 16th century priest who founded actually the Order of the Jesuits within the Catholic Church. He's very influential. He's actually credited with having modernized in the 16th century the Catholic Church. He developed something that we still use today. It's called the Eximen. And in our Wednesday night prayer group called Savor, we've used this several times as our guide. It has five steps, and the first is to simply become aware of God's presence, to ask the Holy Spirit to help us look over the events of our day. In step two, we review those events with gratitude. We ask what people offered to us, and then we remember what we offered to others. We pay attention to small things, down to the food we ate or the landscape we saw. Number three, we pay attention to our emotions throughout the day, the way we felt. This is usually where God lets us see some of our growth areas. Where did we feel angry or impatient or resentful? Then number four, we choose one feature of that day and we pray on it. Wherever the Spirit leads us. And then the last step, step five, we continue that prayer as we look ahead to tomorrow, 
And we ask God to give us light and guidance for the next day. This is reflection and review for the sake of becoming more of who God has called us to be. It's spiritual practice. We can use it every day. It can guide our prayer lives and create that deeper awareness of God's presence. Now, the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, he was around in the 18th century. He also had a daily practice of review and reflection. He asked himself 22 questions every single day. And he journaled about them to see how God was seeking to move in his life. And I'm not going to read all 22, but I picked my favorites. So I'll read just a few of them to you. Number three was, do I confidentially pass on to another what was told to me in confidence? Number five, am I a slave to dress or friends or work or habits? Number nine, Am I enjoying prayer? Number 15, am I defeated in any part of my life? Number 20, is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment toward, or disregard? And if so, what am I doing about it? 21, do I complain constantly? <laughs> and 22, is Christ real to me? He asked himself these questions every single day. He was holding himself accountable to the work he believed God was doing in him. Wesley believed deeply in the work of sanctification, of being transformed. He believed that our lives were meant to become more and more like Jesus' life. And to ultimately reflect a complete love of God and neighbor. That's what our denomination was founded upon, this theology of becoming, of being transformed. And becoming more and more like Jesus doesn't happen by accident. It requires our participation. It requires our intention. It requires a willingness to be transformed. Where we ask God to meet us in the day today, and move us toward a more loving way of being, toward God and toward others. So looking back is a wonderful spiritual practice for, to prepare ourselves for this new liturgical year. What is God asking of us? We look back as a church and as individuals and we celebrate the ways that Christ reigned in our hearts, that Christ is king among us. We celebrate outreach ministries like Share the Love Bags or Porch or Backpack Buddies. We celebrate our small group ministries, our children's programs, our youth program. We thank God for worship, for new members who have joined this year. And this morning, we celebrate baptism. We celebrate that Brian himself was baptized as a small child here in this congregation. Praise God for the persistence of this community that has literally impacted generations of people. Thank God that we survived our disastrous flood downstairs in our educational space. Gratitude is so foundational to our relationship with God. There's so much to praise God for, especially this week, how fitting as we collectively pause to offer thanks. 
And while we celebrate, we also look back on where we've struggled this last year. We continue to feel that hardship that lingers from COVID. We grieve the places we've been and the shift we feel. I know for many of us, this has been a denominationally painful year as we've witnessed many congregations leave the United Methodist Church. Clergy and churches who've been such a part of our lives. People and places that have impacted our faith journeys and it feels like there's a great distance between us now. It's painful. We look back on our work as a church and we grieve. We offer repentance for the ways we've fallen short. Recognize we are not perfect. We ask the Holy Spirit to intercede on our behalf collectively and personally to help us see and know the places where Christ was asking us to lean in. And as we look back and we ask God to reveal to us where Christ is asking us to lean in in this coming year. And this Sunday, our scripture speaks so powerfully to this. Jesus looks back. Jesus tells this parable of a king, surprise, he is the king, who looks back and sees the ways that we as people, represented by sheep and goats, have chosen to encounter the world. The king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these siblings of mine, you did for me. Jesus looks back, and in doing so, he asks us to look back. That's why this story is in Matthew's gospel. There's no surprise here. Jesus isn't trying to catch us by surprise that there was an expectation of our lives as disciples that we didn't know about. Jesus is clear. He tells us what it looks like to love and serve him with our whole lives. This is what his kingship looks like. Love. We can choose to serve other kings, and we often do. The kingship of consumption or comparison or even our own selves. But Jesus' kingship looks different. It looks like the kind of love described in our passage where we serve and care for one another without condition. And the most beautiful promise of this passage is that Jesus' kingdom is not only a hoped-for eternal promise that we will inherit if we choose to receive God's grace and respond with our lives. No, Jesus' promise is here and it is now. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. The kingdom is here and now. Take your inheritance. Don't wait. When we choose to live in Christ's kingdom, that's a reality we have access to today, right now. The kingdom defined by service and equity and love. But we can't get there if we don't take 
an intentional moment to recognize the places where we've fallen short in this passage. And at the same time where we have seen and lived into the truth that Christ is in every single face we encounter. Now Stephen Colbert is not a renowned theologian. <laughs> He's better known as a satirical political commentator or a late night talk show host. So you may be very confused how he's made it into my sermon. But he also happens to be a person of deep faith who unashamedly teaches Sunday school and is active in his Catholic church. And he once said, in a moment of honesty, and he was speaking to America, he said, if this is going to be a Christian nation that doesn't help the poor, either we have to pretend that Jesus was just as selfish as we are, or we've got to acknowledge that he commanded us to love the poor and serve the needy without condition, and then admit that we just don't want to do it. We either have to pretend that Jesus was just as selfish as we are, or we've got to acknowledge that he commanded us to love the poor and serve the needy, and we just don't want to do it. Now you can love him or hate him. You can disagree with this language. I don't love all of it, but this quote has stuck with me since I first heard it many years ago, and I think about it a lot. We had to look back and be honest with ourselves that a lot of times living out Christ's kingship in our lives is hard, and we don't always want to do it. <clears throat> serving King Jesus and therefore serving others means giving up something of ourselves, our time, our money, our gifts, our talent, our comfort. It's a sacrificial way of living in the world, and that is very different than the world we live in. That's why the kingdom of God stands in contrast to the kingdom of our everyday. It's easy to close our eyes and silence the voices of need around us. The voice of Jesus calling out to us through others. Looking back, we recognize the times we didn't offer that drink to the person who was thirsty or sit with them in their time of suffering. Reflecting on that can be convicting and painful. None of us like the discomfort of knowing we didn't do something we wanted to do. That we, in essence, failed. I'm the first to admit, I, I don't like admitting failure. It's uncomfortable, but failure has so much to teach us, and God has so much grace. God can redeem all of our shortcomings, all of our failures, if we surrender and ask God to help us see the stranger, the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the lonely, the imprisoned. Ask Jesus to help us see the world through his vision of a kingdom where we take care of each other, where love is what leads us, where sacrificial giving and meeting one another's needs drives us, where service is a gift and never a burden. That is kingdom living. That's what Christ the King Sunday offers us an invitation into right now, today. As we look back and as we look forward and ask God to help us step into this next season. And I believe that call looks different for each of us. And maybe that's the work you're doing, you're being called to do today. To look back on this year and ask God, what are we going to do next? How is Christ inviting you individually and us as a community, more fully into that kingdom living. And the good news is, church, that 
Kingdom living is not just about sacrifice and service. It is about joy and light and hope and love and so much community and mutual support. It is about the beauty of grace, a love we don't deserve, none of us. And yet somehow by the miracle of God's goodness, we receive it. I'll leave you with something that has been pressing on my heart all week and that I know the spirit has been wrestling inside of me. Every year, as Pastor Adam mentioned during announcements, our church participates in the angel tree ministry, which helps to provide Christmas for families who are struggling. And for many years now, two members of our church, Mark and Terry Law, have coordinated this ministry. And I was just talking to Mark this week and found out that they actually deliver the gifts to the people we sponsor. They don't take them somewhere and then they're distributed. They deliver them themselves. Just awed me. And so I encourage you to please, please take one after service. Take two. Take three if you're able. We've made it a tradition in our house, and I usually let Ephraim, my six-year-old, pick one to shop for. He always wants to get the angel with similar interests to himself because he feels very qualified in choosing a Hot wheel set for a similarly aged child. So this year, he made me read every single card and what they wanted for Christmas so he could appropriately choose. And as I'm going through and I'm reading each card to him, he finally gets frustrated and throws his hands up and goes, Ugh, why does everyone need a winter coat? <laughs> Aren't there any toys in there they want? And as it's fitting, it's biblical, children see things far, far better than we can. We need each other to see things, and we need community to hold us accountable and to help us to live as members of Christ's kingdom. I think God joins in Ephraim's own lament. Oh, why does everyone need a winter coat? I need Ephraim's voice, and Ephraim needs mine to tell him that people need winter coats because the world is inequitable. And so some people don't have the things they simply need. That's one way we live in God's kingdom, to clothe the naked. But I desperately need Ephraim to remind me that those we clothe and feed and visit are the same ones who are invited with us to a grand feast in Luke 14. In all its extravagance and flair, who by God's grace should receive not just what they need, but also the joy of a Hot Wheel racetrack too. I think God delights in our selfless extravagance that sometimes only a child can call us into. That's God's kingdom, where we all have more than enough, where we're willing to see the image of God in every person we encounter. And honor that belovedness in each other, both sacrificially and extravagantly. Where we don't see the kingdom work as work, but as love lived out. Church, that is living under Christ's kingship, where our lives as followers of Jesus become love incarnate, love in the flesh, just as Jesus will become in these Advent weeks ahead. So let us honor the spiritual practice of our faith, of looking back and reviewing and reflecting upon how our lives have embodied our belief that Christ is king. And let us look forward this year to the ways that Christ, the King, is calling us into service, into extravagance, into kingdom living. May Christ reign in our hearts as disciples and as a community. 
this day and evermore. Let us pray. Christ the King, enthroned in glory over all creation, you are our shepherd to the lost and the least. Teach us to see your face among the poor, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, and visiting those who are sick or in prison, offering coats and hot wheels, meeting needs, and loving extravagantly, so that we may share in your eternal realm prepared from the foundation of the world through Jesus Christ, who is coming indeed to reign with love, compassion, and justice. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.